This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Hello there, this is Stephen Fennec, editor of techguide.com.au, coming to you with a special edition of the Tech Guide podcast. We're not talking tech as much today. I'm going to totally take up this whole special edition of the podcast to talk about Star Wars and in particular the latest film, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm a massive Star Wars fan. I've invested a fair amount of time. I've uh, been a lifelong fan and I thought I would share with you my review and my thoughts on this film. A warning ahead of time, if you haven't seen the film, uh, you better switch off now. This, This is going to contain very heavy spoilers. I'm going to be giving away major plot points including the ending and everything like that. So if you haven't seen the film, this is your last chance to turn off, get out while you can, uh, and you're more than welcome, of course, to come back once you have seen the film. But for those of you who have seen the movie and are still listening, let's dive in. Well, The Rise of Skywalker is not only the last of uh, the newest trilogy, but also the last of the nine-episode saga. So this had a lot riding on it. This was a level of difficulty that was quite high for J.J. Abrams, the writer, the co-writer and director. So uh, he had a, a fair, fairly, fairly big task in not only bringing this movie and trilogy to a satisfying conclusion, but also rounding out the whole nine-episode saga. And I've got to say, he's done an admirable job. He and co-writer Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio is actually an Academy Award-winning writer. He wrote the screenplay for Argo, the film that won Best Picture, I think, in 2012. Uh, so his writing credentials precede him. As does his knowledge of Star Wars and J.J. Abrams' knowledge of Star Wars, you can just tell these guys aren't new to the franchise. They are deeply invested, just like the people watching the movie are deeply invested. One one thing I've noticed, a lot of people who are a bit harsh with their criticism of The Rise of Skywalker were using a term called fan service. Now, this their use of this term was the fact that they think J.J. Abrams was pandering to the Star Wars fans. Well, you know what? I've got news for you. That's exactly what was needed here. The, the, you need to know, going into this movie, you need to know a fair amount about the whole Star Wars universe, not only the last three films, but also the entire saga. And going in, not seeing any of those films and just watching this one on its own, you'd think, what the hell is going on? So... In my opinion, he's done exactly the right thing because that's the audience. The audience is going to want to see these little touch points and little Easter eggs and callbacks. So I think good on him for doing that. So uh, in my opinion, he's got that just right. We'll talk about the things that I really liked. We'll talk about the things I also didn't like. But in terms of that, uh, the conclusion, the ending, the storyline, I think he landed it and did a great job. So... The story, the story, obviously the last in this trilogy, it's a kind of a movie of two halves, I found. The first half is uh, a lot of information you need to digest. Palpatine is alive somehow. Ray's completing her training. There's this urgency now to find Palpatine. He's on this mysterious world called Exegol, and the only way to find Exegol is with these special wayfinders, which Kylo Ren discovers in the opening scene of the movie, so action from the opening frame. So he confronts Palpatine, and we find out that 
not only is he still alive somehow, it's never fully explained, by the way, how he's still around, but not only is he there, but he's also created this massive fleet of ships, all his followers or whoever did it, there's this massive fleet that he's been working away on all this time called the Final Order. We also discover in that in those early scenes too that he's been pulling the strings all along. Snoke was his puppet. In fact, you see a couple of Snoke clones in this 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 tank as, as Kylo Ren finds Palpatine. So he, he he from what he says has been pulling the strings all along, even back when. Uh, from the Force Awakens onward. So uh, he, he's very much the puppet master right there. But he tells Kylo Ren, he said, all this could be yours, my boy. All you need to do is kill the girl. The girl in question is, of course, Rey. Now, Rey is on her own journey. She's becoming a Jedi under Princess Leia's uh, her, her tutorship. So she is uh, Rey's master. And she's on her own journey, as I said, and trying to discover uh, what whether she become the Jedi that, that saves the day. There's been a couple of years, I think, a, at least a year since the, la- the events of the Last Jedi. So there's been a time time for her to improve her skills. On the other side, you've got Kylo Ren, who has also already confronted Palpatine, and is now determined to either turn Rey to the dark side or get rid of her altogether. Uh, so the first half of the movie, they're searching for the Wayfinder. They go to Pasana. They go to uh, Kajimi, I think it's called, where Zori Bliss is the character. C-3PO gets his mind erased so that he could go against his programming to decipher the Jedi, uh, the the Jedi, the sorry, the Sith uh, markings, the Sith uh, message on the dagger that they find. So. They they end up eventually find the wayfinder or they well they know where it is it's it located at the the ruins of the Death Star that was destroyed in Return of the Jedi, and then that is where Ray confronts Kylo Ren. Now so far uh, there were, there were, there there is a lot going on there there is there's a fair amount to digest it, it's a frenetic pace great action sequences great character development as well Finn you find is. He gives off hints that he's he's kind of force sensitive as well. Poe is being Poe as usual, pretty hot headed and and trying to be, develop his leadership skills. Uh, over at the First Order, there's news of a spy, so that there's that side of the story where uh, the spy, it turns out, is is uh, is Admiral is General Hux, who says he doesn't want the Resistance to win. He just wants Kylo Ren to lose. Um, but the big mid movie climax if you like the big highlight of the in the middle of the movie is ray finding out who her parents are and it turns out she is a palpatine she is emperor palpatine's granddaughter so the his son uh is her father and she was hidden away on jakku so that palpatine couldn't locate her because he he Predicted what she what she would turn out to be. They that's a habit of a force power. People with with the force can see the future, and he foresaw what a powerful Jedi she could become. So that was a, a massive massive uh, revelation for Ray, who from that point onwards is just focused on getting the Wayfinder, trying to to confront Palpatine and put an end to all this. But in the meantime, Kylo Ren is there who is 
deciding on whether to get Ray on her side, on his side, or get rid of her altogether, and to accept what Palpatine is offering. So Palpatine is kind of telling them two different things. We discover that uh, when Palpatine is confronted by Ray, that he tells her, "All you need to do, if you kill me, you're going to achieve what I want you to achieve, which is taking over the the Sith throne." Whereas he's telling Kylo Ren that if he if he kills her, he gets the the becomes the the ruler and gets all the power and and the the final order ships and all of that that goes with it. So there's it's it's kind of we're, we're two of the main characters are, are heading on a collision course to this confrontation with Palpatine. Now in the meantime, of course, the resistance is there and they are battling. They know that the the final order which is about to be deployed has planet destroying capabilities each of these ships has technology that can destroy an entire planet and uh, they do sacrifice one planet just as a demonstration of their power and that forces the resistance into action as well so their imperative is to to disable this fleet somehow to keep it on on the planet and and not allow it to deploy into the into space and, and then wreak havoc across the universe whereas the the other battle that's taking place is with ray and Palpatine, and Kylo Ren. Now, major spoiler here, midway through the movie, when Ray and Kylo Ren are fighting each other, they Ray, Ray uh, bests Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is actually being contacted by his mother, uh, by Leia, and he's momentarily, uh, he's momentarily distracted. Ray strikes him down with his own weapon, so fatally wounds him. But what she does is turn around and... She places her hand on, uses the force, places his hand near his wound and heals him and sort of revives him, prevents him from dying. Uh, it's a, it's a something she also demonstrated when she was in the Pasana Desert. There was this massive snake and it was injured and I think it just demonstrated that if she can do this to the snake, she could probably do this to, to humans and other people, which is, is, is kind of a convenient little plot device that uh, that's exactly what, what happens. And when Kylo Ren is restored... He, that that's kind of the turning point for him because he throws away his lightsaber. There's a really poignant scene with uh, with his father Han Solo, who is not a Force ghost. The the what he is seeing is a memory, and how it's kind of a replay of the scene where Han Solo confronts Kylo Ren on the bridge on on, on uh, the Star Killer base. It's kind of a, a replay of that where he says, "Look, I, I know it's difficult. I don't know whether I can do it." And the last thing that that Kylo Ren says, he calls Han Solo Dad. So that that uh, that signifies that he's turned back to to the good side, and he becomes Ben Solo again. And he throws away the lightsaber. And the next time we see him is when he is uh, beside trying to help Ray defeat Palpatine. So that that's kind of the gist of the story. Uh, in the in the end, it is great to see that Kylo Ren, or now Ben Solo, has has turned back to the good side, and that he's there fighting away, trying to help Ray. And the climactic scene of the film is where they're both there together. Uh, the Palpatine strikes both of them down, uh, throw, uses the Force to cast uh, Kylo Ren, or Ben Solo, I should say, down a cre- crevice, and Ray's there by herself trying to summon 
to all, all the former Jedi to to inhabit her to, her body to give her the power uh, and the strength to defeat Palpatine. She uses Leia's lightsaber and also uh, brings to her hand Luke's lightsaber. So the combination of the the power of the lightsabers manages to defeat Palpatine. There was another little uh, a little fact that was that whenever Ky- when Kylo Ren and when when Ray were together. They managed to create, I think they called it a dyad of the force. I don't know if that's the exact word, but what that meant was that there was a combination of their powers and skills that could create life, which kind of is another callback to how Ray could heal Kylo Ren and the snake and how Kylo Ren, I should say Ben Solo, returns the favour when Ray defeats Palpatine and and falls dead as, as uh, after using up all her strength to defeat him. So she, uh, Ben Solo, cradles her in his arms, uses the force to br- revive her, and in doing so, gives up all of his power and strength and life, and he he falls and dies and disappears like a force ghost. So that proves that he is back on the good side. At that very moment, Leia also disappears. So mother and son are together again as, as have uh, become part of the Force. So th- there, there is a lot, lot, of, lot of things going on. Uh, hopefully I've pointed out a few things that you may not have noticed in the storyline there. There was, there was a moment there right at the end where when Rey is brought back to life, She's there with right next to right near uh, Ben Solo's face, and they exchange a kiss, which I think was okay. Some people said, "Oh, well, that's a little bit corny," but I think it was a very powerful moment that this this kiss was there, sort of them saying, "Well, you, you're back." You know, great to have you back. I think she even calls him Ben. She looks at his eyes and and calls him Ben, and even smiles. I don't think I've ever seen Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo smile in the whole trilogy, but he does. He smiles and then. Moment, a moment later, he he falls down and dies. But um, I, I don't think it would have been it would have been too neat and convenient if he had have survived as well. He's a hero here. He gave up his life to save someone else, as has many other characters in the Star Wars universe. Uh, a similar thing happened at the end of Return of the Jedi, as a matter of fact, when Darth Vader gave up his life to save his son. So Luke Skywalker survives. Darth Vader, as a result of his injuries of being hit with the Emperor's Force Lightning, then eventually dies as well. So there's that little bit of symmetry right there. But seeing Kylo, like Ben Solo, and Ray walk out of Exegol hand in hand would have been too neat an ending. It would have been like tying a bow, a perfect bow around the story. That that's I don't think that would have been accepted. People die in in battle and in, in life, and this was just another example of how the sacrifice that needed to be made. Now, another question that I've been asked and I've discussed a fair bit is, did the rise of Skywalker acknowledge The Last Jedi. Now, the previous film, Episode 8, directed by Ryan Johnson, was quite a divisive film. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. Myself, I don't, I don't, didn't mind it. The more I see it, the more I like it. So it was some bold moves that, that Ryan Johnson put on in that film, including having this disillusioned Luke Skywalker tossing the, the lightsaber over his shoulder like a piece of trash. Uh, having the 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 scenes of the Canto bite and a lot lot of stuff that wasn't really wasn't really necessary. Uh, having Snoke killed off, Snoke was was supposed to be the 
supreme leader and and the evil force that's going to run through the trilogy, he gets killed off. Uh, and and having the whole Raylo thing going on, where you know, I thought that was a, quite a powerful scene when Snoke was killed in the Last Jedi, and and Kylo Ren and and Ray fight together, and and Kylo Ren offers his hand to join him. She even says in in Rise of Skywalker, yes, yeah, I never took your hand, but I would have taken Ben Solo's hand to and 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 joined with you then. So she makes that distinction. So what are the things that that the rise of Skywalker didn't acknowledge from the Last Jedi. The biggest snub, I think, was Ray's parentage. In the Last Jedi, they the theme that that Ryan Johnson was trying to go for there was that Ray was her parents were nobodies. I think Kylo Ren says yeah, they were they were nobodies. They were sold you off for drink money and dead in pauper's graves. So the message that he wanted to put across was that anyone could become had could use the force. You don't have to be a Jedi. And the scene at the end with the little boy in the broom and and him aspiring to be perhaps a Jedi like like the legendary Luke Skywalker, that was all tossed to one side in the Rise of Skywalker. It was in the title. It's a, it's Skywalker. It's Palpatine. Uh, it's not just anyone can get the force. Although, as I mentioned, Finn showed a bit of force sensitivity as well, as did uh, Jana. Jana, the new character, she was a former stormtrooper like Finn, and she kind of got why why Finn quit the First Order, and I think she kind of uh, maybe even displayed a little bit of force sensitivity as well. But the other things that Abrams ignored was um, some of the characters. I think Rose was was pretty prominent in Last Jedi. She was pretty much relegated to the background in The Rise of Skywalker. Kylo Ren's helmet. They make a big deal about him smashing it to pieces and not wearing it again in The Last Jedi. What is What happens in The Rise of Skywalker? He puts it together again. That's kind of going against what was originally intended. So he's walking around in this really cool helmet now that's pieced together with the red red welding lines on it. Uh, the other thing too, uh, and and a lot of complaints about how Luke Skywalker was portrayed in the Last Jedi. I think in in the Rise of Skywalker, we do see Luke Skywalker as a Force ghost when Rey journeys back to Arcto and tortures Kylo Ren's ship. So when she kills and revives Kylo Ren on the ruins of the Death Star, she takes off in his ship, goes to Arcto sets it alight and is about to throw Luke's lightsaber into the fire and Luke's force ghost catches the lightsaber and says, I think you should show this, uh, this should be treated with a bit more respect. Now this comes after Luke, remember, tossed his old lightsaber aside like a bit of rubbish in the opening seconds of The Last Jedi. So is that is that the character arc that's complete or is that kind of saying, uh, no, Ryan, you got it wrong. Luke would have caught the lightsaber and, and told them to treat it with respect. Uh, the other thing, too, is that the reason Ray goes to Arcto is so that she can say, look, I'll, I'm like you, I don't want to go anywhere, I'm staying here, I'm not going anywhere, I give up. And Ray turns to her and says, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. Fear is part of being a Jedi. We've got to confront our fear. And in fact, he then says, look, I know you're a Palpatine, so does Leia, and your feelings and your heart is ne- is oftentimes more stronger than blood. So in other words, even though you are related to this bloke, you don't have to be like that bloke. 
that was kind of the message there. Uh, the other, the other things too. Uh, the other great touch, I think, and and this was set up for for here for um, JJ Abrams. Do you remember there was a scene in the Last Jedi when Ray is observing Luke Skywalker's day to day routine on Arcto, the island, and she notices in the water submerged is Luke's X wing. It was a beautiful touch in the Rise of Skywalker when Luke retrieves the X wing for her because she burnt uh, she burnt. Kylo Ren's ship, remember, so she had no way of getting to Exegol. She took the Wayfinder out of the wreckage of the of the of the Kylo Ren's burnt out ship, and he retrieves the X Wing from the ocean depths. That would have been that was a great moment. That that I suggested would have been a great moment in The Last Jedi. Imagine if Luke did that in The Last Jedi and turned up in person on crate rather than just force projecting himself, like phoning it in. Imagine that scene. I think people would have been cheering if they had seen him raise that X-Wing out of the water. Uh, lost opportunity there but that J.J. Abrams has just pounced on, and it was a very poignant uh, moment of the movie. I, I thought that was brilliant because it, go, it that's a callback to The Empire Strikes Back when Luke failed to do that. He couldn't do that. Yoda had to do it for him. But him now showing that he can do it, that again, that that was another brilliant callback to the original trilogy as well. So look, not that I don't think they see saw eye to eye. The introduction of Palpatine was a massive, a sharp turn away from the Last Jedi. It was kind of set up to be, well, the Resistance is. We need to form the Resistance again and start from scratch. And it was basically they were at the end of last jedi apart from losing like luke skywalker and snoke and a couple other characters like captain phasma they were basically at the end of last jedi at the same place where they were at the beginning minus a few people so uh, that's why i think a lot of people thinking wow that, that why they didn't like this film look but overall i really rate the rise of skywalker i in fact i would put it in my top 5 saga film so out of episodes one to nine it'd be in my top five perhaps even my top four uh the ending was very satisfying there were a lot of moments in this movie i wish i had a gopro on my face when i was watching this movie i would you would have seen my reactions and, and I, I was openly there's tears in my eyes in certain parts i went hand solo turns up talking to his son I lost it. I was absolutely tears running down the face. Uh, a lot of other emotional moments like that. Uh, so, look, if, if you are invested in these Star Wars films, it, this is going to get you in all the right places. So that, that, there, are, there are no cringe moments for me. Uh, the things, the new characters, I think they're great to have new people to look at. They didn't do a whole lot. They weren't that functional or... or uh, vital to, to the plot. Uh, the introduction of, reintroduction of Lando Calrissian, I think was a nice touch. He he actually had things to do in this movie and, and it, a call back to his experience, that which helps the story along as well. So great to see him again. What was brilliant though, was seeing Carrie Fisher, the late Carrie Fisher, reprise her role as Princess Leia after J.J. Abrams' uh, stitched together some unused scenes from The Force Awakens, and they really are seamless in the film. Her interaction with, with Ray, she's actually got a pivotal role in the film that they managed to pull off using these scenes and a little bit of trickery. It's It was remarkable how well that, that turned out. There was no moment where you thought, oh, hang on, she's not really there, that's fake. It was all looked genuine, 
looked like she was there to film the movie. So another uh, hats off to J.J. Abrams for that. Now, there are a few touches in the movie that I really liked. I'm going to go through them now. It was good to see Poe, Finn and Ray back together again. They kind of went their separate ways in The Last Jedi. They've got a great chemistry. It reminded me of the original trio of, of Han, Luke and Leia, and of course Chewie along for the ride. The droids, I think C-3PO had a really big part in this film. In Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi, he was basically just a background character, so really had not much to do. R2-D2... Throughout the whole of these the new trilogy, he was very much a minor character. I would have loved to have seen more screen time for R two D two. He was one of my favourite characters as a kid, watching these films when I was uh, when I was young and growing up with them. So yeah, shame he didn't didn't get more screen time. Dio was his new new droid. Yeah, pretty cute, but he's no R two D two. The other thing too, Chewbacca receiving the medal at the end of the movie. A lot of people said, what is that? What, what, I've had five phone calls from different people saying, what's that medal that he gets? Well, the medal he gets, that is the medal of Yavin. So at the end of, the, of A New Hope, when Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star with the help of Chewie and Han in the Millennium Falcon, there's this ceremony at the end of A New Hope where Luke and Han Solo get a medal. Chewie doesn't get a medal. And it's been... Star Wars fans have been talking about this for 42 years. Why didn't Chewie get a medal? He deserved one. Well, he finally got his medal, which I suspect was Luke's old medal. reason I think that is because that Mars Kanata gave it to him at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Mars Kanata also had Luke's old lightsaber, as you would recall, from In Force Awakens. So it makes sense that you'd have his medal as well. That's what I'm assuming. I don't think it was Han Solo's medal. I'd love anyone, if they have any info, to correct me, but I'm pretty sure that was Luke's medal that he inherited. And again, tears running down my face thinking, finally, mate, you got your recognition. Uh, so all in all, I think uh, a, a lovely a lovely finish to the saga. Uh, but the question, though, that everyone's asking was, where, where do we go from here? What's next for these films? And yes, it's been promoted as the final chapter of the Skywalker saga, but Kathleen Kennedy, who's the new head of Lucasfilm, uh, she, on the red carpet at the world premiere, hinted very strongly that this might not be the end of the Skywalker saga. I think she was hinting that it was an end, but not necessarily the end to the saga. So I think it's possible we may see Ray in a film of her own because guess what? She's technically not a Skywalker. Even though at the very end of the film, when she takes back the lightsabers to Tatooine and buries them at, at Luke's original homestead on Tatooine, and a woman says, oh, we haven't seen a lot of people in these parts. Who are you? And she says, Ray. Uh, she says, Ray who? She says, Ray Skywalker. She sees Leia and Luke's Force ghosts and beautiful ending. And... She's technically, though, not a Skywalker. She's a Palpatine. So there is, there is scope for her to maybe star in a film or two. The other option would be, I think, maybe a film uh, about Poe or even Finn, who in this film shows that he might be Force-sensitive. So Poe, you can get Poe, Ray, and Finn together for an adventure. Uh, but what I'd really like to see, I think they really need to go back to the beginning. There's the, the Star Wars universe is massive. There's a lot to mine in the Star Wars universe. What I would love to see, what's been covered in games and comics and things like that, 
is going back to the beginning of the times of the old republic when the Jedi were were just forming and they were battling this mysterious group called the Sith. I would pay to see that. I reckon you, there'd be a lot of scope there. It would be uh, Game of Thrones meets science fiction. There'd be a lot of great material you could come up with right there. In fact, I think uh, David Weiss and um, Benioff, the two dudes who looked after Game of Thrones, I think they are being tasked with creating Star Wars films as well. I think Ryan Johnson still has the uh, a deal with Disney to come up with another trilogy as well. Don't know what that will be or whether it's even still in existence, this agreement, but uh, I look forward to seeing whatever they come up with. But uh, in the meantime, though, I'm enjoying The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, by the way, episode seven. So the episode that aired, the first episode that aired after the premiere of Rise of Skywalker has, uh, and again, spoilers if you haven't seen episode seven of The Mandalorian, there is a section, there is a point in the, in the episode where Baby Yoda heals one of the characters who's wounded just by touching him, as does Rey and Kylo Ren in The Rise of Skywalker. So I think they timed that to perfection. So that, yeah, look, it's existing. The Mandalorian is set a few years after the return of the Jedi, so many decades before... Uh, the rise, the events of Rise of Skywalker. So that was a nice little, nice little uh, hat tip to both the film and to the Mandalorian as well. But good on them for for delaying that episode or timing it so that we won't see that until the rise after we saw the rise of Skywalker. There's a lot to cover there. I hope that I've answered any questions you have and that you agree with uh, a lot of things I'm saying. I, I'm sure a lot of you think that there's things that you think that I, that I don't agree with. Uh, that's up to you. Feel free to get in touch with me on Twitter, at Stephen Fennick is my, is my name on Twitter. Feel free to, to let's have a chat on, on Twitter about it and hear your thoughts. Have I covered it all for you guys? Are you happy with the ending? Um, does, are you satisfied uh, with Ray and her her being this this super Jedi now that that kind of brought balance to the Force? Initially, I thought to bring balance to the Force, you needed Anakin Skywalker, who was the chosen one in the prequel trilogy, and he turned to the dark side, but his son brought him back to the light. And in fact, if you listen closely, uh, I, I think this has been confirmed by Lucasfilm. A lot of the voices you hear at the end when Ray is trying to gather all the past Jedi to help her, you do hear Yoda. You do hear both young and old Ben Kenobi. You do hear other characters. I think even Qui-Gon Jinn gets a mention. But you also, and this has been confirmed, you also hear Hayden Christensen, with who is Anakin Skywalker, also saying something. So he technically was in the film and did give her part of that inspiration to bring balance and put an end to Palpatine and the Sith. So it's uh, there's all these other little details that I'm sure you have details that I haven't even touched on here. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. But we thought we'd offer this special edition of the Tech Guide podcast to share our thoughts on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we've seen it three times. I'll probably go see it again, maybe a couple of times before it leaves the cinema. And then I will eagerly await the 4K version which I suspect, this is my prediction, there will be a truckload of deleted scenes. Many, many deleted scenes there will be on that disc. So I'm desperate to see it. I think, and I also would love to hear the director's commentary on how how the whole thing went down. I'd also love to see a nine 
disc set, so the saga in 4K from episode 1 all the way to episode 9, 4K. I will be there at 8.59pm with my money the day that goes on sale to buy it. So anyone from Disney, if you're listening, please get that out for 2020. You can have my money right now. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, If you've still stuck around for the full podcast, this isn't the regular Tech Guide podcast. You can hear that this week, the regular Tech Podcast. But uh, with, with my love of Star Wars, which I've shared on Tech Guide numerous times, I thought it was appropriate for me to voice, literally voice my opinion, voice my thoughts on the rise of Skywalker and the conclusion to the Skywalker saga. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 